Welcome to another episode of Brown Guy, the podcast. Uh, this Today we're going to talk about Norm MacDonald and get uh, the Brown Guy's opinion. Steve, uh, I know uh, another comic legend died. It, it uh, hurts the family a little bit every time that happens. Could you give us some thought, your thoughts on Norm? I, You know, anytime a comic dies, I like to think that I kind of move up one, you know? <laughs> Uh, I I never had the pleasure to work with Norm Macdonald, uh, and in fact never met him. But I enjoyed him on Saturday Night Live. Uh, I enjoyed. Uh, I caught a number of his uh, stand-up routines on on YouTube, uh, and I think he was just awfully talented. Had a very unique way of uh, dialoguing his material and. And uh, coming up with ideas, you know, he's very unique from that standpoint. Always enjoyed him. And I, I just, uh, like a lot of comics, you know, like Sam Kennison, I would have loved to have worked with him at some point and, and like to think I, I, I would have. Uh, but he passed uh, far too soon from our, uh, our comedic roster. And, and uh, so did Norm. You know, there's... No reason he couldn't have, of uh, unfortunately, uh, in his passing, you know, he he'd have been around a little longer. Maybe I would have worked with him, or maybe I would have had a chance to see him perform live. But uh, you know, sometimes our our comedic heroes just get away from us a little too soon, or certainly sooner than we would want. But yeah, I always enjoyed uh, Norm Macdonald. Uh, and I know you've talked to some folks who who uh, were familiar with him and maybe had met him and worked with him. Yeah, and Jamie LaSalle worked with him. Uh, he he was on a uh, Netflix show called The Real Rob. It's about Rob Snyder's life. And uh, Norm was on there, and he had an episode. He was really funny. And they were writing a, uh, uh, a part for him in the movie that they were making in the next when they found out he died. But... Uh, and they, they didn't even know. Rob Snyder didn't even know he was even sick. You know, he, he kept it all to himself. But I, I understood that, that, that when he was diagnosed, that, that he just uh, refused to let anybody in on it, that, which, you know, I, I can I suppose I can understand, you know, how somebody might do that. On the other hand, I I uh, it's curious and. And you wonder why they would choose that way to handle it. You know, I, I just, uh, that's, that's a little uh, curious to me, but, but if it's the way he wanted to do it, then that's, you know, then you have to respect that. He was, uh, he had his own, like you mentioned, he had his own unique voice. And I think that's, if you're going to be memorable as a comic, you have to have that unique voice, don't you? Well, it certainly helps. You know, it's uh, certainly helpful. Uh, and and in addition, you know, the material. You know, he, he had a unique style. Um, and I remember watching him on, on Letterman uh, a time or two. And he, and he just, you know, he was uh, gave you the impression that that he would just kind of go off script. You know, they... Because a lot of times on those talk shows, they visit ahead of time with what they're going to talk about. And and if you're 
sitting there like Letterman with a sheet in front of you with the information that you've agreed you're going to discuss. And then he would kind of trail off and go in some other different direction, which, which threw uh, a time or two, they said uh, you could tell it threw Letterman off uh, until he finally realized that, that, uh, that Norm was, was going to just keep going off script. And so Letterman would throw the paper with all of his prepared material away and then they would just sit there and kind of ad lib and Letterman would let him go off on this topic or this this subject and and, uh, and roll with it so uh, that made it I think as a viewer that made it a little more enjoyable for me because I I realized you know that they could end up going anywhere on any topic with this and and then they would so there was that unpredictability that I thought uh, he really sold that well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That that was an excellent uh, point that you just made there. That, that was very true. You can uh, you can catch some of that on YouTube. You know, if you uh, if you want, you can go to YouTube, Norm Macdonald, and and whatever talk show it is. Uh, like I said, the first couple that I was aware of was with David Letterman. And, and then there were some other... Uh, he did a lot of good with Conan O'Brien, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was but a good... we lost a, a good one there, as we have, uh, you know, historically. We're just unfortunate uh, that that uh, some of these great comics are no longer with us. So you mentioned you, you didn't know, Norm. Tell us about a comic that you did know that when they died, it did kind of uh, touch you a little bit. Well, the, uh, uh, I spoke ab- about uh, Dennis McGowan, mm-hmm. who was the real D-Bob uh, from Notre Dame and in the movie Rudy. Uh, that one uh, hurt a little bit because uh, I got the call and, and, it, and it came, a buddy of mine uh, called me to tell me and it, it took me off guard. And it just uh, resonated with me because we had become such good friends and had worked together various comedy clubs and, and shows or what have you. Uh, and he was, you know, uh, an interesting cat. He, he was, uh, he hadn't been in the, the, the comedic fraternity that long. Uh, so that one hurt. I, I, another name comes to mind. Uh, Vic Dunlap, uh, who was uh, a unique uh, style and delivery, and and I'd worked with him a number of times, and he had diabetes, and it was eventually what took him from us was uh, he was diabetic, uh, but he had a great show, and and uh, it, at the end of his show he had these. And he sold them after the show, little packets where they were these uh, little plastic eyeballs. You put these in your in your eye, and they had that funny look to them, you know. And you could sneak up on somebody, they turn around and see these these plastic eyes in you, and they. Uh, uh, but he sold those after his shows, and he was uh, just a. a 
a great guy. He did a lot of charity work uh, to raise money for diabetes research. But he played the funny bone in Des Moines a number of times. I got to open up for him. And, and uh, so his loss uh, hurt a little bit. Uh, Kennison, of course, I, I was devastated to hear that. I was on the road somewhere when, when on the radio we heard that uh, John Candy had passed away. Uh, I thought he was, while I don't know that he did stand up, but his, you know, his comedy was in his uh, movies and, and the dialogue and, and it just his persona was, was awfully funny. I, and I had the chance to meet him. Uh, I was uh, with a buddy of mine at a baseball fantasy camp in Florida when we checked into our hotel, uh, we heard this unmistakable voice behind us, and it was, uh, uh, who is the guy that played in Night Court? John Larroquette, that's who oh, yeah. it was. So we turned around, and there was John Larroquette. We visited with him a little bit, and then we realized that uh, the cast of the movie Summer Rental was staying at the same hotel we were. And so we met several of, of the other actors, uh, most of which weren't big names like John Larroquette or John Candy. But uh, we sat at the bar and had a few shastas with several of those folks who invited us to the set the next morning uh, and it was on the way to the baseball stadium. And so my buddy and I were in our baseball uniforms because we were going to go play baseball. But we stopped at this address they gave us to where the, 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 the shoot was taking place. And that's where John Candy walked up. And, and we, we got to visit with him, got our picture with him. He signed a couple baseballs for us. And we invited him to come to the baseball camp with us and and he wanted to he was excited about the chance to do it and and uh when he had said he would be there he didn't show up and we talked to him later and he said that he uh that he they ran late with their uh their shoot you know the wind had come up and disrupted something so they had to stay there longer than they had planned and had that's what kept him from being able to come over to the ballpark. But we took him a ball signed by Mickey Mantle and gave it to him. And he was just thrilled at that. And, uh, we had a, a good amount of interaction with John Candy and to learn then that he had passed, uh, you know, was, was kind of heartbreaking as well. So I've experienced some loss with several uh, comics or comedic actors. And uh, it's it's unfortunate, but yet it's uh, something that, you know, you can't avoid, you can't, you can't avoid it. And uh, I just hope that I outlive, and I already have obviously, but, but uh, I hope I can hang in here as long as I can. But I know that at some point, you know, that's inevitable. What are you gonna do, David? Yeah, it's all, you know, uh... My wife's uncle died this weekend. You know, he's 61. I mean, it's just, 
Wow. Everybody that dies, everybody's born dies. I mean, that's all there is to and it. And every day we're a close, we're a day closer to it. So just try to enjoy your life, you know. Try I'm to... like Woody Allen, who said, uh, "I don't mind death. I just don't want to be there when it happens." <laughs> all right. Well, that was a great uh, segment. Anything else before we wrap it up? I don't think so. Other than uh, I love you. I thank people for listening. Uh, we'll uh, one day hope to meet each and every one of them. We'll all go out for. Like Andy Kaufman says, we'll all go out for milk and cookies. <laughs> yeah, That's did. another one that left us too soon. I and knew you him. had a chance to meet him, right? I, yeah, I did. I knew I knew Andy Kaufman. I used yeah, to... well, you know, we were going to wrap it up there, but let's give you a minute to talk about that. He lived down around your way, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he lived in Fairfield. Uh, and he, uh, I, what I figured out was that he liked to go to the movies. There's that co-ed theater. <laughs> well, I don't, it's not open really anymore but it's right next to this uh restaurant called torino's and it's still open and uh andy would he would go to those movies whatever the first movie started and he would stay and he'd watch the same movie if they showed it three times over and over and over and then he would go over and work at torino's as a busboy. uh and uh the guy that owned the place had absolutely no idea who he was and i know that's how andy liked it and they would argue with each other, you know, about how to do things. And uh, but uh, no, I, I would. I just, I just remember walking up to him and saying, uh, "Hey, aren't you uh, Lodka from Taxi?" Well, he kind of acknowledged that he was, but he he told me he didn't like to talk about uh, Taxi. And I told him, well, "I'll just say this: it's the best show on TV, and you're the funniest guy on the show." And he just looked at me. And he says, well, why don't you sit down? So I sat down with him and we'd share popcorn. And pretty much any time that I went to the theater and he was there, I would sit with him. You know, we didn't talk too much, but, uh, you know, I got to be around him. And he was, uh, he loved being in Fairfield. And he loved being, he liked to play pinball with people at, at Pizza Hut. You know, I mean, he just liked the regular guy thing. And he was real popular in town and he was really friendly. and. He was the uh, he was there for the the uh, Maharishi stuff, right? Yeah, the, yeah, it was weird. He was a Maharishi teacher, you know, and he was the most popular one. And when he would teach, there'd be literally a thousand people there, eight hundred, a thousand people there. And uh, I, I really think that the other people that were making their living teaching couldn't get uh, enough students because Andy was taking them all, so they just <laughs> discredited him. They took right. his they took his license to teach away from him, and really? then he couldn't teach, or he couldn't. He certainly couldn't teach there at the school anymore. So, oh, and that devastated Andy. Uh, that was uh, that was what he lived for, you know. Uh, sure. But uh, yeah, he was a he was a a person that appreciated small town Iowa uh, tremendously. I think he, he, the, the word fake, a lot of people say everyone's fake, you know, around me and to be around people that he didn't think were fake, that were honest to goodness, just living, trying to make a living people, you know, that they treated him well, but they didn't give him much reverence. You know what I mean? They didn't just salute when he walked by or anything. They'd say, hi, Andy, how are you doing? You know? Sure. Uh, that was and that's a, like you said, the way he preferred it. That was the way, that was a, that was a interesting, you know, it was an interesting time to grow up in Fairfield, Iowa. There was a lot of 
different people. We could talk. We'll we'll do a segment about that one of these days. But uh, all right, all right. I'd like to hear a little more about it. This is a. Uh, this has been another episode of Round Guy the podcast. Uh, I thought it was another good episode. Uh, thanks, Steve. You, you really, uh, I learned a lot from you. Th- this well, time. I enjoyed it uh, as well. So uh, we'll do it again, brother. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs>